What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Caleb Pearson, the only other person at the table with me this time. Mark I Harry. am Ashton Burzio. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, Ashton's not here today. It's just going to be the two of us. Um, we'll often talk through the sermon, talk through the weekend, uh, give kind of our own thoughts and takes on things and, and dive into the Scripture together. And, and while we will be diving into the Scripture, it's going to be a little bit more intense, a little bit more of Romans to cover. Um, as we do this sermon series, Mark, and you know, go through the chapters and, and talk a little bit about where we've been so far. I know you've kind of vision casted the different types of, of, of sinners that are addressed in the first few chapters, but we've had a few pretty intense questions come in, and so we'll, we'll read one of them as well, but, but Mark's going to kind of be steering the ship this morning, um, and we'll see where we, where we go from there. So I don't know if you have any specific way to start or... Sure. Yeah. So how was your but, weekend, Caleb? Oh, it was good. It was good, man. Um, <laughs> restful and less busy because Yuan was last weekend. You know uh-huh. what I mean here? And, and and one thing I realized was we didn't really debrief Christopher Yuan much on this podcast because right. last episode he was on, which was huge. Were you yeah. able to watch yes. watch that? Okay. Yeah. What a nice guy. Yeah. And his parents too. Yeah. We were very um, blessed. Oh, yeah. I think totally. to have them here. And yeah. the comments, man, I keep hearing from people. Yeah. It is like, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for having oh, yeah. them here. And Yeah, it was, the way that all came together was so good. John Avery approached me and he was like, listen, you're going to do the podcast with him. You're going to grab him right after the book signing. I'll take care of his parents for an hour, and then you bring him to me. I take them all to Taco Bell. We're done. I said, okay, <laughs> sounds great. Um, I, I saw you talk to him briefly. I don't know if it was the Saturday night service or, or when, but were you able to engage much with him over yeah, the we, weekend? Yeah, uh, Lisa and I had them over for dinner oh, okay. uh, after church on Sunday. Okay, good. So awesome. had a, yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. if, if you have not, uh, any, if you've not, if you missed that weekend a week ago Sunday and you have not listened to it yet, uh, their testimony mm-hmm. um, being here, please do that. Uh, it's all very up to, yeah. I think both the... The sermons he did, and then the seminar as well, sure. are up up from to here. So yeah, that was good to do last weekend. But this past weekend, Mark, we dove into Romans chapter two. Yeah, a tough, <laughs> a tough passage. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there is more to um, this passage than meets the eye, mm-hmm. and um, that's one of the frustrations about uh, teaching and and preaching uh, mm-hmm. more preaching than teaching because you've got. Um, 35, 40 minutes. Whoops, excuse me. Tom packed this pack, uh, this mm. this passage, and it really can't be done. Mm. Uh, so, because there's layers of of interpretation and 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 various meanings here, and mm. um, so I sh- I shared what I understood the passage to be saying, but I wanted to share a little bit this morning that there are layers of Oh yeah, of depth and and meaning. In, in fact, the funny thing is, I can come back, or you can study this past. I can come back to this and preach it again five years from now, and it's like, oh my goodness, I mm. oh, how could I have missed that? Yeah, and that's just the power of yeah. the of the word, the living word. Well, and even as we were emailing yesterday about podcast planning and the questions coming in, we all kind of had this moment where we we're like, wait a second, this is a lot, lot to address here, and yeah. and the book of Romans specifically. I mean, you can't. It's probably hard to even stay in Romans as you research this stuff. Well, yeah, because well, take take uh, Roman. We were in Romans chapter two. Yes, uh, 
let's talk about judgment. And mm-hmm. the word judge or judgment is used nine times in these 16 verses. So obviously mm-hmm. that is uh, a key thought is, is judgment. Um, what, what was not brought out in a su- Sunday sermon, um, but I think it's worth noting, is that there are various judgments that the Bible talks about. So for instance, um, I, I do think Paul has in mind um, the the great tribulation that's coming. I I think that that's at least my thinking now is that that when he talks about the day of wrath coming hmm. uh, there in verse five, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. I'm tending to think my understanding is that this is a period of time that's called the Great Tribulation, and it is a judgment of God. You go mm-hmm. to the book of Revelation, you have the the various uh, judgments that are being unleashed against the world, and ultimately it's, it's a judgment against Israel. So, you, right. so, so you, you could go to Daniel 9 and see that there are 70 mm-hmm. weeks that are decreed for the Jewish people, 70 groups of seven years, um, 69 of those Seven years, 483 years have already come and gone, but there remains a 70th week of Daniel, a seven-year period for the Jewish people, and it's going to be a time of judgment. Hmm. Well, this is called the the, the seven-year tribulation that we understand, and uh, and it is a time, uh, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, says it's a time of Jacob's troubles. Hmm. So um, there's a time of judgment, and you go to... Um, um, Revelation chapter 6, and you've got the sealed judgments, and then you go to Revelation chapter 8 and 9, you've got the unleashing of the trumpet judgments, and then mm-hmm. uh, to chapter 16 is the bowl judgment. So you've got this series of judgments that are, are, are unleashed against, uh, mm-hmm. against Israel. And um, um, it, 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 does Paul have that in mind in, in Romans 2? That's the question. At least my thinking now is that I think he does because the there was a sense of the imminent return of Jesus. Jesus was going to come mm. back soon. And Jesus was going to come back for the bride of Christ, for the church, and, and the great taking away, the snatching away of the church, and then the time of judgment is going to begin. This day of wrath begins, and it's um, I think it was very present in Paul's mind. Now, you go to uh, a place like um, uh, 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 1, and he, he, he speaks of this, uh, or just as an example, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse uh, 4, therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all the persecution and afflictions which you endure. And this is plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. So we're talking about worthy of the kingdom of God because mm-hmm. of the suffering that they were enduring. Then verse 6 says, For after, after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will return or will be revealed from heaven, will return with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our, of our Lord Jesus. And verse 9 says, And these will pay the penalty 
of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There is a coming day of retribution, of judgment. Uh, back in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, there's this encouraging word. Um, verse 9 of chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians says, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from this coming wrath, the wrath to come. So there's an understanding here that there is a coming day of wrath. There is a coming day of retribution of judgment. We understand that, I think, again, as the seven years of tribulation, specifically the last half is called the Great Tribulation. And yet the promise seems to be that the church is going to be rescued from that day of wrath. Mm -hmm. The warning in chapter 2 of Mm -hmm. Romans is that um, don't get lulled into thinking. Don't be deluded that that hasn't happened yet. Um, It's the Mm -hmm. kindness of God, his delay of this. But there is a coming day of wrath. And if you don't trust Christ as your personal Savior, what's happening is that you're storing up wrath uh, in this day of wrath that's coming. So that that's one judgment or a series of judgments. Um, we know that um, after that, there is going to be a judgment against the Gentile nations. Um, in Matthew 25, it talks about that. So, and, and again, not to get into all the details here um, in this podcast, but... <clears throat> My understanding, well, let's go there. Matthew Matthew 25, verse 31, um, it, it gives us the time frame here. It says, but when uh, the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And verse 32 says, and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And this is what's called the... Um, the, the, the uses this analogy of the sheep and goats, but it's a judgment that's going to come against the Gentile nations after Christ returns. So, and and he is going to say, you know, you you fed me, you clothed me. When did we do this? You did it under the least of these, my brother. Now, typically, we take that verse and we we apply it to our day and age now. Right. So we're helping the least of these, and now, the no, and, yeah, right. right. The context is after Christ returns. So this is a judgment mm-hmm. uh, against the uh, towards the Gentile nations who served mm-hmm. the the um, Jewish people during the tribulation period. How they served the Jewish uh, the Jewish people, and those who took care of these Jewish people who were under the judgment of God and helped hide them and feed them and clothe them. They're going to get rewarded accordingly. So there's a another judgment of the of the Gentile nations. Shall we keep going? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. this judgment. No, you're good. Right. Hey, I'll, I'll get to your judgment right. in just a moment. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, also we know from uh, Jude. Uh, turn over to Jude, verse six. Jude six. Mm-hmm. We know from Jude um, that there's going to be a judgment against the angels. Go ahead mm-hmm. and read that. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Yeah. So here's some angels, mm-hmm. angelic realm, that are going to be, they're kept, and, and again, 
we, we can't go into all the details. Right. It's a bizarre story. I think it goes back to Genesis six yeah. and the, mm-hmm. all that 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 the craziness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but angels, they're already in prison. They're awaiting a coming judgment. Now, um, go over to First Corinthians chapter six, verse two and three, and read that passage because the question is. Who is going to do the judgment of the angels, of these angels? First uh, Corinthians six. 6, verse 2 and 3. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So uh, it's kind of a throwaway comment that Paul makes there. Don't huh. you know you're going to judge the angels? And why are you taking each other to court? Yeah. Can't you handle mm. that within the body of Christ? Why Why do you go to unrighteous judges to do that? Mm. Because you're going to judge the angels. Like, right. where did that How? come from? Yeah. 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 So there, there's, huh. there, there is, seems to be a, a judgment of angels. That, well, that and if I come. could interject real quickly, it, it's become <laughs> painfully obvious how murky our understanding is of judgment. Mm. And I, I was just teaching on, on Proverbs the other day downstairs with the youth, and one thing I talked about was the denotation versus the connotation of a word. Ooh. Basically, what it oh. says. What, what the, the, the glass over? Oh, the... all the kids just got up and left. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, and I, I broke down the meaning of connotation and denotation because what we were talking about was how we ought to fear the Lord. And the, the word fear has a negative connotation, but it mm-hmm. can be a positive authority, reverence for Christ kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we think about the denotation of the word judgment, what it what it is defined as. You know, we picture a, a judge judging or a mm-hmm. one singular person condemning one other. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little bit different than that. All these yeah. different judgments we experience, some of them multiple judges, yeah. some of them one. So it's very hard to attribute one idea to all these different That's judgments. That's right. And and going back to Romans 2, it's like, what, what, where is this coming from? By the way, mm. a quick interjection there. Parents of youth, did you hear what he just said? No, no fluffy stuff in our youth ministry, right? Oh, yeah. There's good teaching going yeah. on there, and so that that's great. Oh, and by the way, John Morrison did two sermons last July mm. on judgment, mm. uh, and so I would just encourage you to go back to those um, sermons in July. Uh, he did mm. two, two weeks on judgment. So there's another judgment. Mm-hmm. We know that... Uh, well, t- turn over to Revelation 20 and uh, 11 and 12. Read read those. What translation? Do you uh, have? This is ESV. ESV. Okay. Yeah. Revelation twenty eleven and twelve. Yeah. Then I saw a great white throne, and in him, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And then jump down to verse fifteen too. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So here's something else that's called the great white throne mm-hmm. judgment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we, and we got questions about this. Yes. Um, do we do we want to address that now? Sure. Or in a minute? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, wrote yeah. In a question. Just a, a matter of. Um, D- discerning what Paul might be referring to and even the language of the word. Um, somebody wrote in and they said, uh, although, so this is referring to Romans 2, 1 through 16. Uh, they say, although Paul switches to the second person you in the second chapter of Romans, referring to the language there, is it not singular so that he is not speaking to the believers of in Rome, but to the hypothetical person who has rejected God's revelation? And isn't the judgment Paul is referring to here, which is according to one's deeds, reserved for unbelievers at the great white throne judgment? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
here's my understanding. Um, uh, I, if you go back to that Romans 2 passage, uh, where he, he talks about the storing up verse 5, um, to, and he is, it is a singular. He's talking to this, I think this hypothetical you, or, he, you know, it, it's, they're real people, obviously, in but his mind. Can, right. Uh, but he probably has no one in mind particularly, like, sure. hey, hey, Bill, you know, yeah. sit down and listen <laughs> to me right now. Yeah. Um, but he says, because of your stubbornness and, and, and unrepentant heart, and I mentioned in my sermon there are three. Uh, according three, tos. Right, three mm-hmm. according tos. So according mm-hmm. to truth, according mm-hmm. to the receptivity of one's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to, um, it, literally it says, but according to the, the stubborn or hardness and unrepentance of your heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who, verse 6, will render to each person according to his deeds. And then he goes on and explains to those who, perse- with perse- uh, who by perseverance and doing good and seek for glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life. To those with selfish ambition, so on and so forth, wrath and indignation. Now here's where I don't think the great white throne judgment is in view here. Because the great white throne judgment, which Caleb just read, mm-hmm. and is for unbelievers, unbelievers only. It is the final judgment for unbelievers whose names are not written in the book of life and they're cast on the lake of fire. Here he's talking about a, a judgment that takes place, and um, if if uh, there is the perseverance in doing good, if good, if there's a hundred percent compliance to the law, great, eternal mm-hmm. life is given. Uh, if not, then indignation. So it's, hmm. um, again, the great white throne judgment, it's part of probably this whole package of judgments mm-hmm. um, unleashed at the, at the, at the end of, of time. But I don't think that's particularly in mind because it, it is both and here. Sure. You want eternal life or, or to um, hmm. um, the lake of fire. Hmm. Um, and I'll, I'm going to come back to that, though, in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, let me mention one of the judgment. Mm-hmm. We know. Um, but turn to second Second um, Corinthians uh, five ten. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians five ten. <clears throat> you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for we must all appear for, before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So he's talking to believers here, mm-hmm. and there is something that's called the judgment seat or the bema seat. So there's another mm-hmm. type of judgment that's coming. Um, Romans 14.10 refers to that too. I'll, let me read that. It says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat uh, of God, the bema seat of God. There is a, uh, a judgment that's going to be coming um, where every believer in Jesus Christ is going to be assessed in terms of our uh, faithful service to the Lord uh, here, mm. and uh, rewards will be given accordingly. Again, John Morrison uh, taught on this this last summer, so uh, just want to go back to that. Yeah, well, it reminds me of something you even said this past Sunday of God will deal with sin. Yeah. Because we try to deal with it. Right. Absolutely. Even for us as oh, followers, oh, yeah. as his yeah. children. Oh, yeah. So there is a uh, a coming judgment seat mm-hmm. for all believers. And by the way, all these judgments I've just mentioned here, they're, they're all based on works. Right. 
So there, there is, um, hmm. uh, that comes into play. Uh, so I think Romans 2 uh, kind of fits right along with this because there is this emphasis in Romans 2 on, uh, on works. Um, and uh, by, by the way, let's stop. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, I don't know if they need to slap their face yeah, a little yeah, bit. Right, are right. We, are we Get getting... some water. Everybody <laughs> take a right. quick break. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. You have a word from our sponsor? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, wake up, folks. We're not done yet, uh, almost. Uh-huh. Um, but going back to Romans 2 now, sure. so we talked about some general judgments and things like that. Here's, here's what's tough about Romans 2. There are volumes written, commentaries galore, and thousands, tens of thousands of pages written about an interpretation of Romans chapter 2. That range. They're very oh, different. Very like. different. Very different. So yeah. um, I don't... Again, it makes it very hard to teach this passage mm-hmm. because there there is so much. Let me just share a couple things yeah. related to that. One interpretation suggests that when we read about this day of wrath and this judgment, it it is it's possibly referring to currently. It's a day of wrath. It, it um, it's a present. Um, manifestation of wrath. Hmm. And that's tied in with chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed, and remember, that's a present tense. It's hmm. happening now. Mm-hmm. That's how we've preached that. So one interpretation would be, as Paul continues in chapter 2, he is warning this uh, this person, this moral sinner, this pious uh, sinner who you know, is judging others and yet four fingers are pointing back at him, mm-hmm. warning them, well, well wait a minute. Uh, you're not so squeaky clean yourself. And what's happening is that you keep going down that road. You're living in the day of wrath. And I will make this note. It says in verse 5 that you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. It doesn't say you're storing up wrath for the coming day of wrath. Mm-hmm. You're, you're storing up wrath in the day of wrath, which is could be interpreted, that's going on now. now right. And so it could refer to kind of a present um, <clears throat> manifestation of that, which keeps maybe with the context of chapter 1. Hmm. However, my issue with that is, what's the tense of the very next verse, verse 6? Future tense. Yeah. Who will render to each person according to his deeds. So there is this coming future. It seems like it fits in with this day of tribulation and all this, this hmm. this future day of wrath that we know from other scriptures um, is coming um, and, and that believers will avoid, according to 1 Thessalonians 1.9 that we read. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to rescue us from that wrath. But it is future. God is going to render to each person according to their deeds. Um, so, um, again, I, I kind of see that uh, th- that future. Um, by the way, if you keep reading, then verse 7, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and mortality, eternal life, and to those who selfishly, uh, who are uh, selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. He uses two words next in that text. Wrath, wrath and fury. And fury. My says wrath and indignation. Mm. Some would say wrath and anger. Wrath and fury. There's two words. Mm-hmm. Wrath, orge, is the Greek word. Thumos is the indignation or fury. Now again, 
uh, I hope we're not boring people in this podcast, but um, those words are mm. paired three times in the book of Revelation during the time of the tribulation. Mm. So chapter 14, I'll just mention them to you. Chapter 14, verse 10, uh, and you can't see it sometimes in our English translations, but those two words are paired. Chapter 16, or chapter um, of 16, verse 19, they're paired again, wrath and indignation. And in chapter 19, verse 15, they're paired. So in this context of coming tribulation, there is going to be an outpouring of wrath and fury, wrath and indignation, wrath or, or anger, however those words are translated. Um, here we have it in Romans chapter 2, verse 8. So again, I'm thinking that this is not something present going on, but something that is an accounting hmm. and a, a judgment that is yet uh, yet to come. Um, when it, it, be, it becomes so clear, uh, you can almost picture like a cork board with a bunch of yarn connecting the dots and different index cards, like an FBI investigation or something. Yeah. When you have a question about a Romans passage, yeah. you're gonna you have to spread out. Find the biblical narrative, connect the dots. You know what? What was Paul thinking? Why would he be thinking that? Yeah. What? By the way, did you ever see the movie *Beautiful Mind*? Mm-mm. Oh, you haven't. I've heard good things about it. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, well, you want to give well, me a well, synopsis then, or no? Just no, move just, on. Just, there's a scene where he's he's trying to connecting everything. Yeah, but he's psychotic, so oh, okay. it's not that we are. Uh-huh. Here. Well, I, that I might not be up to us. You know what I mean? No, no I, but I feel that way sometimes yeah. when I go and study yeah. the Book of Romans. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, all, but all it's this just. Stuff. And it's cool to do that and, and get biblical clarity, not personal clarity of what answer you wanted, but biblical clarity. Right. Um, there is another interpretation of this verse that I find intriguing. Jody Dillo, uh, the author of a book called Final Destiny, uh, writes about this, and he k- picks up on the word there in, uh, in verse um, 7, the phrase eternal life. Um. That that phrase, eternal life, is found 41 times in the New Testament. Hmm. Um, and, and if you did a word study on that, you would find that um, about a third of the uses of that phrase um, have to do with something that is yet future, something that you will acquire in the future based on your performance. Um, so Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 8, I think it is, said, whatever a man sows, he reaps. Mm-hmm. And if you sow unto the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. There's kind of a cause and effect there. Now, the rest of the time the phrase eternal life is used, it's in a present, the present time, and it's acquiring eternal life now. And that's always by faith and faith alone. Mm-hmm. But how a biblical right. author uses that phrase, which... This is another teaching point, folks, is that context determines meaning. Hmm. So just because a word is used like the word save, you, you think of eternal from life. What? From right. what? Right. You've got to let the context. Yeah. So um, Romans, some look at Romans chapter 2, and they see this, this works connection with eternal life, and they're saying um, they're tying it back to a, a rewards thing um, okay. that is yet to come, hmm. that if you are diligent and persevere— then you will earn eternal life. Yes, that same person has gained eternal life right. by faith and faith alone, but there's an enhancement to eternal life yeah. or a, um, um, uh, yeah, an enhancement to eternal life in the coming kingdom based on your works. Hmm. Um, 
I don't I I don't buy that necessarily. Um, I, I'd like to study it more. I'm intrigued by it's it. Thought provoking. It's yeah. thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Where I landed uh, in this is I think the flow, the context he's building towards in his in Paul's argument, he's building to um, this idea in verse nine of chapter three that um, all people we charge both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Mm-hmm. And verse 19, uh, whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. He's building his argument so that whether you're a depraved sinner, in, like in chapter 1, or a moral sinner like this person in chapter 2, or in starting in chapter 2, verse 17, the religious sinner, what Paul is trying to do in his flow of his argument is to bring everybody to a point of accountability that says, hmm. "Man, I, I am a sinner." Right. I and and hmm. verse twenty and by works of the law, no flesh is justified in his sight. So, I think Paul is saying to this moral sinner in chapter two, "Oh, oh, you think you're pretty good? Great. Follow the have, have you followed the law perfectly? Because if you follow the law perfectly, you can get justified." Right. But no one does that. It's an impossible standard. And right. that's where he's building so that we, when we come to chapter 3, we're going to cast ourselves upon God and God alone and the gospel of God that says, I have no hope. I am an utterly depraved sinner, mm. and I need a Savior. So I think that's the flow of the passage. Yeah. I hope some of this made some sense. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's just cool to see, I mean, whether Paul's talking about wrath and sin and judgment or salvation and equipping the saints, there he always has the sense of urgency about it. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with this now, yeah. um, and just the way it's written, it, it motivates us to to understand it further. And so, as these questions pile in, and, and I, I think going through Romans at a natural sermonic pace is just going to breed questions because of the way that I mean, it's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, if a forty-minute sermon brings up a few questions, and then a thirty-minute podcast brings up a few questions. Uh, hours of study yeah. is is going to help answer, and, yeah. and I, I don't like to hear that. Oh, dang it! It's going to require <laughs> hours of study. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. Uh, but no. that, that's truly where you're going to see study it. Study to show yourself yeah. approved unto God, like a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Hmm. And um, did you come up with that yourself? No, I'm just kidding. I think that's inspired scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, I don't come up with anything by myself. <laughs> and that's and so again. I don't want anybody to listen to this podcast and say, like, I, I, I got what I, Mark answered my question perfectly because you're an awesome guy. I don't want anybody living by the Mark Carey translation. If anybody was living by the Caleb Pearson right. translation, I can't imagine where they're going to end up. It's yeah. not good. So, you know, root yourself in the word, find the answers. And again, remember the, whatever denotation, whatever you think the word means, think about the connotation, think about the context. Why would it be used? What kind of judgment is it going to be and for what? Yeah. Because even the gospel, that word just means good news. Yeah. So it, me saying the word gospel doesn't account for anything. The gospel right. of what? Yeah. Salvation, rescue, rescue from what? And then enjoy the process. Because there, there mm. is nothing more exciting, more invigorating than discovering what God has said mm. um, in his awesome word. Um, this is We're talking about a relationship with a living God who has loved us enough to communicate to us his truth. Um, mm. So let's, let's, let's have at it. And... Um, 
and hopefully in a sermon spotlight podcast, we can uh, highlight yeah. a few things. And, and then we haven't done much application this time, but the right. next time we will. Yeah, perfect. And that's just what's so good about embracing church life throughout the week. That's why Sermon Spotlight exists. So so please feel free to, to send us questions. You can always go to fbcva.life slash Sermon Spotlight. You can find us on YouTube. Drop comments below there. Um, interact with each other on the Facebook page over what we're doing here. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. Um, I need to go uh, find my sheet so I don't butcher my outro here. You know what I mean? Oh. I didn't have it. Oh, I, I, oh, I think oh. I have it memorized. You know, it's... I'm not going to yeah. look, okay? Okay. Ashton's not here, so I'm just going to say, the fact of the matter, you guys, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.